Sorry, Cup, and welcome to another episode here for the Funky Pod Mindful Media and Communication. Back after like a short mental health break, um, lots of stress at work, but back on schedule after just one, one episode break. So, in order to not always talk about war and war and how the media manipulates us, I thought we should also talk about something more, more funny. Well, inherently more funny. Let, let's see if it's going to be actually more funny. Um, of course, still from a media studies point of view, but as you might know, if you follow the podcast a bit more closely or the social media around the podcast, I'm a big comedy fan, a big stand-up comedy fan. And I thought, hey, stand-up comedy is, is still booming while my cat in the background is destroying the Christmas house. And yes, I set up a cat Christmas house. Come at me. <laughs> Um, maybe I should have like a cat episode at some point again too. Um, so, but back to the comedy episode. So comedy, right? A big part of my, what I like, my passion actually. I'm German, so I'm just not funny, but I still enjoy um, watching comedy. So here's a podcast episode, Funk It, Mindful Medium Communication episode about comedy, stand-up comedy um, in particular. Okay, so in this in this episode, I try to put like the spotlight on Yeah, the jesters of our modern day and age, so to speak, right? The stand-up comedians. So for me, stand-up comedians are pretty brave souls, to be honest, because they step onto the stage armed with with nothing but a microphone. And sometimes as a uni prof, I feel very similar at class, just way less funny. Um, and they, so they, they stand up there, microphone, they're with, with them, hopefully, and then they face down the beast we call audience, right? So, But lately, it's not just... The, the comedians being on the stage in like a comedy club or so, I think the battleground has kind of shifted from, from those dimly lit clubs, right? Where the laughter and, I know, the smell of like spilled beer. I don't drink, but I think it smells like spilled beer, right? They, they mix in the air and there's like this unique comedy cellar smell. Um, but now the comedy warriors, they are invading, of course, the digital realm, right? And so, and not just invading, it's the wrong word. I think they're conquering it, actually. And they're, they're forming it, to, to be quite honest. So let's look at the, the stand-up's journey from like stage to screen, okay? And to do this, we started with a little bit of history, okay? So stand-up comedy, as, as we came to know it, evolved from like those different traditions, right? In, including like those vaudeville monologues, right, that, 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 that we all know, um, But was once what was once like a like a live like an ephemeral experience, if you, if you will, has transformed into like a, a stable of our on-demand entertainment diet, right? So the early TV era um, brought comedy into the living the living rooms, right, with the late night shows and stuff like this. But there was like a one-way street, and now with the advent of digital platforms, the street, of course, has like multiple lanes right and the traffic is not just going one way it's going like multiple different directions okay so the audience is no longer just passive it's an active participant right that's why in media studies we talk about the active audience okay because you like you share you comment um, so you even can help shape that comedy narrative like where are the comedians going with their with their punchlines and so on right so it's very very active now so to me, that, that the journey from stage to screen, right, has been pretty fascinating because in the past, you would measure like a comedian success by club bookings, I, I guess, or how many people show up to, 
to 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 the events and so on how how many late night tv spots did you get on which late night tv shows did you did, did you get onto but now there's the new currency in the, this this realm of laughter right online views follows interactions engagements and so on so comedians have turned into into content creators actually in their, their sketches and their quips like are dissected into like those those bite-sized pieces that, that are just perfect for the this short attention span internet age right and as you see like the, the key to, to you know get, getting like lots of likes going trendy going viral often lies in the, the relatability i i believe and and no one knows that better than comedians right if you hit a joke that's relatable with the audience then everyone's going to share it like it and so on so those what i said earlier those modern day jesters right they they poke fun at our collective experiences and in the process they become like what i want to call like a voice of of your mind our inner thoughts okay and the thing is though i think that transition has been more than just a change of, of venue. It's not just taking it from the stage to 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 Instagram, right? It's been a, in a change in the very nature of, of stand-up comedy itself. And I, I'll try to explain, right? So the digital stage is, is pretty infinite. And the audience is super global, right? So a single joke can travel faster and further than ever before. Now, think about Marshall McLuhan, media studies, right? I have to throw it in here and there's a Marshall McLuhan, uh, the global village, right? So everything just travels way, 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 way faster, way further, but it still feels like home, right? So it's just way easier to travel far. So, so you see, me, if, if you're watching this podcast, you see me like hesitating. If you're just listening, you're like, why is there such a long, long silence? It's because... I don't want to, but I have to also mention that what I just said, that everything can travel faster and further is awesome. But, and I don't want to mention the cons here, but I have to. I mean, so can missteps, right? I mean, not just in comedy, like generally speaking, if you do something wrong or you're getting canceled like very, very, very quickly. That's not a cancel episode, so I'm not going down the road. But we talked about this before, how fast things like this can spread as well, of course. So missteps can also spread very fast. And so the, the stakes are pretty high and the feedback is very immediate, right? You, you post something and then there, there comes the feedback, right? So the digital realm, while being wide open, is pretty un unforgiving, And yeah, everyone is very quick to judge, right? So comedians, they have to navigate it with like precision, like 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 a tightrope walker, right? You have to hit like the whoa, but also not getting canceled while making people go whoa. So you're always one step away from viral fame or viral infamy, right? So it's it's actually pretty impressive for those who who make it work. And when we look at like how they do it, right? How the comedians do it, they, they, their new toolbox, if, if you want to call it like that, right? So the, the toolbox for, for the modern comedian, I think is pretty diverse and, and digital, obviously, right? So take podcasts, for, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, so they become the new open mics, if you will, right? Every comedian has a podcast. And Joe Rogan told every comedian, you should have a podcast because that's how you can practice stuff. And it makes sense, right? So they test material there, they share stories there, they connect with audiences on a personal level. Podcasts allow for like a long form, intimate form of comedy that's unfiltered, unpolished, and it gives listeners 
like a backstage pass to the comedian's mind, which is awesome. Problem is, if you repeat the stories over and over and over again. It's also when I teach, like, for example, media studies or digital marketing and things like this. Uh, and then let's say someone has a great idea. I, t I tell them, yeah, yeah, cool. But you cannot post that same idea in the same form everywhere. Like, don't just, just because you have like 17 different channels doesn't mean you have to post the same thing on all of those channels. The premise, fine. But that transmedia storytelling tells us that post it in different ways. Like, use the strength of each medium to your advantage. So, don't just post the same exact thing on every medium. Because, why would I follow you on all those different channels if you post the same shit on every single channel, challenge channel? So post different things on different channels. Okay, premises can be the same. Fine, yes, the same framework. Great. And it's cool so that you can catch me like, oh yeah, I know that I know that point of view, but now it's a different angle or something. So don't post the same thing on the same channels all the time, Brandon Shop. I mean comedians in general. Okay, got this out of the way. So the thing is of course comedians don't only have their own podcasts, they have their own podcast networks. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so comedians, of course, also like they guest on each other's shows, right? Like creating a network of, of comedic content that's that's like very intricate and also very interconnected as like a subway map, if you will, like was any subway map of a major city, not Bangkok, because Bangkok, we only have two lines, but any other major city. <laughs> so it's like a community that, that, that supports and amplifies each other's work, other, other's voices and so on. It's like athletes giving shout outs in post game interviews. Like, how did you perform so well? well I have to, I have to let, I have to say that my, my teammates really made me look good today and this and that. Yeah, same, same thing. And this ecosystem, Joe Rogan, <laughs> And all the others, right, have, has given like rise to platforms like also Joke World, for example, like a really cool YouTube channel that that's kind of like that's dedicated to all things comedy and that serves you up the latest news, interviews, behind the scenes peaks with with like the thoroughness of like ESPN in the sports world, right? I think Joke World kind of like is like the ESPN or the MMA, like MMA fan, the MMA hour um, of comedy. That's Joke World to me. Right? Yeah, so. Great, great job by Joke World. What, what, what he's doing, um, and yeah, it's, it's it's like a new, a complete new, new genre, which is fantastic, right? So that's all thanks to the digitalization of of stand-up comedy, which is fantastic. And so, I, I think the impact of all of this cannot be under understated, right? So by hosting each other, comedians are able to like cross pollinate, of course, the audience, like introducing fans to new styles of comedy, new voices in the scene. Like yeah, if you're following Joe Rogan, sometimes you see like comedians that you haven't heard of before. You're like, oh, who's that? Who's that guy? Oh, he's actually kind of funny. Nice. Like I'm gonna follow him. So that's awesome. Like it's like a this syner synergistic Synergetic, synergistic, not a native speaker, synergistic, right? Relationship that, that benefits like both the, the creators and the listeners. And that's pretty cool. And in this, this new media landscape, the comedians are both the, the creators and the curators with like power to shape not just their, their own narratives, but the culture of comedy itself, because it all changes, right? The way you interact. So they embrace the digital world with, 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 with their favor and then like, in doing so, they, they expanded the reach and influence of the you know, stand-up comedy, of comedic art form even, to, to unprecedented levels. I mean, just look at how many followers they all have. It's, it's, it's crazy and it's fantastic. It's, it's awesome. And that leads me to like, my next point, which is like, 
how to monetize that, uh, the, the, the reach that they're all getting. And yeah, it's the, the, the comedy gold rush of the digital age that we're in right now, I think. Like, so, so monetization matters, right? With, with all content creation. And so gone are the days when the only revenue for a comedian came from ticket sales and TV specials, what I said earlier, right? So now comedians are like, say, entrepreneurs, like monetizing podcasts, YouTube channels, social media presence, and so on. Like, they craft their own brands and in the process rewriting the rules of the entertainment industry just look at just look at andrew schultz a flagrant right a great example so the gatekeepers of old like the tv executives the casting directors club owners they have seen the influence like wane as comedians take take more control of their destiny right and there are platforms that enable them like like i know patreon substack only fans um and so on uh, comedians they can bypass traditional media and connect directly with the audience. So they can fund their tours, their specials, and their projects all on their terms. And then yeah, also release it on their own platforms, such as like what, what Andrew Schulz did, right? For example, um, which, which, which was great. Louis C.K. did the same thing. There's a, I'm German, as you know, maybe, or as you can hear. There's a German comedian, Felix Lobrecht, right now, who does the same thing. So it's not just English-speaking global reaching comedians also like local comedians who do it, do it in German, for example, so the audience is much smaller, um, but he also does it like on his own platform only, right? So it has a huge impact right now. So yeah, the, this shift, this paradigm shift has not only democratized comedy, but also has led to a more diverse array of like com comedic voices um, rising to prominence, which is pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm hesitant because I'm, I'm just thinking back um, to come up with some examples. And if you just think back during the pandemic, right, when Andrew Schultz popped on the scene like like crazy, and then he's like, hey, 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 hey turn your phone sideways real quick, right? That was the Andrew Schultz thing back then. Now he doesn't do it anymore because it's too big now to do those those skits. Um, but it has a huge impact, right? So this was like one of the turning points where like comedians, I think, realized, hey, we have to be on socials and creating new content and sharing our content. Don't just hide your con content and hope you get a special and someone sees the special. You just no, put out content and then just, just I don't know, believe in yourself that you have the ability to create more content afterwards, right? So that, that was actually a, a big like turning point, I believe, during the pandemic. But now, with this great power, of course, finish the quote. <laughs> exactly, comes great responsibility, obviously, right? As comedians become more influential in the media landscape, they also become more scrutinized, obviously. Like every tweet, every podcast episode, like every IG story is dissected for last, but also for controversy. Right? Every time Joe Rogan drops an episode, you know people are dissecting. What does he say here? What does he say there? How can we clip that out? Every single time, right? So the business of laughter is booming, but it's also under the microscope. And comedians, again, what I said earlier, they walk this fine line between pushing boundaries and respecting sensitivities, knowing that like in today's world, like a joke can be like both like a stepping stone and a stumbling block, which really is annoying. I, yeah. Cannot go into this in this episode though. And what many comedians that are successful do though, is like that they use com comedy obviously as like some form of social commentary, right? So, I mean, Comedy has always been like a social barometer, right? Like a reflection of the of the times. Like comedians are like the unofficial social commentators. If I stick with like the the sports metaphors references, right? So 
They use humor to highlight the absurdities of life, of politics, and everything in between. So they have the unique ability to say what, what many people are thinking, but few are willing to express, right? Like they package the hard truth in a wrapping of humor that makes like the medicine go down easier, if you will, right? It's like putting like the medicine in some, some, some food for your kid so that the kid takes the medicine and then doesn't complain. I do the same thing with my cats, by the way. <laughs> Uh, it's, but it's not just about making people laugh, right? It's about making people think. And that's why I love stand-up comedy so much. It's not just about silly laughs. It's about also making you think while you're laughing. And the best comedians are those who can turn, like, a mirror on society and show us the reflection that's both funny and thought-provoking at the same time. That's why I love comedy so much. Right? They, they tackle the issues of the day from the mundane to, to, the, to the monumental, everything, Right? And in doing so, they, they help us, the audience, navigate the, the complexities of modern life because, because modern life is not just black and white. Modern life is not just easy, yes or no. It's super complex and you need this mirror that shows you how complex it is and that shows you different sides of it, okay? I think comedy in its purest form is, is like truth-telling with a twist. And I don't, I don't mean the twist in the Hassan Minaj emotional truth way <laughs> sorry uh, but in a world where, where truth are often like hard to swallow that the, the twist how you how you tell the truth makes all the difference okay and as you've seen like in, in, in recent years right comedy can be like a powerful tool for for social change it can challenge like norms shift perspectives and and spark conversations okay comedians have become i want to say unlike unlikely heroes in a fight for social justice and joe rogan doesn't want to hear it and probably most comedians don't want to hear it but they wield their jokes like swords in battles over freedom of speech and equality and i know that sounds like a huge a huge statement to make but i really think that's the case now, the stage may might be virtual in most cases but the impact is incredibly real like those ripple effects of a well-crafted joke It can be felt like far beyond the digital realm. And it's going to make it onto like news stations, it's going to make it onto like meme pages, like everywhere, right? Like everybody's going to see those. And before I, before I wrap things up, right? So let's do what I always do in those episodes. Also put on the, the thinking caps and dive into like the deep end with some media theories, okay? Because that's what we do here. Like, so media theories and comedy might seem like strange bedfellows, if you will, but they're actually more intimate, intimately connected than you think. Yeah, for example, the mediatization theory. It tells us that media logic, right, has like infilt infiltrated every aspect of society. And comedy is no exception. It's, as, it's an aspect of society and it uses media to communicate, right? So the medium reference to uh, Marshall McLuhan, the medium isn't just a message. It's the setup and the punchline. Like, turn your phone sideways real quick, okay? So another one, the, <laughs> the public sphere, like another theory. A concept like coined by, and we talked about him uh, a lot, Jürgen Habermas, and yes, that's how you pronounce the name, trusted German, um, that has expanded beyond like coffee houses, what it was like back then, right? Into like digital domain. So the public sphere has grown, evolved, okay? So comedians now, they occupy this unique position within this public sphere. Like they use their platform, whether it be socials, websites, whatnot, podcasts, to engage in public discourse. Yeah, they're not just entertainers. 
their participants in the, and yes, I know it's a lot to swallow for a comedian, in the democratic process. They use satire and sarcasm to hold the powerful to account. That's, that's and that's why, again, a comedy is so important to me. When you study media, journalism, media communication, all those things, right? You study that the media is there to hold or to speak truth to power. I think that's how you call it. That's what Charlemagne the Gold always says, right? So to hold a mirror up to society and to show what's happening in society and politics and so on. Over the past decades, and that has disappeared because now the media is controlled by... Uh, the companies by uh, by the government whatnot right so the media doesn't hold up the, the mirror anymore the media is controlled by the elites and so on right so that's why com comedy is so important because they now are one of the few that actually hold the powerful to account and that's why comedy also is again so important to me it's not just about laughing it's about laughing while making good points and while, while even like holding the powerful to account And another theory, like the gatekeeping I mentioned before, so let's talk about gate gatekeeping theory. In the past, like a few powerful individuals, they controlled what comedy we saw and heard and so on. Today, thanks to the new media, the gates are wide open and the gatekeepers are like are like many, right? So I saw I saw actually, and I can't even believe I said it, I saw like a funny bit of the Daily Show with Ronnie Chang and uh, uh, what's his name? John Oliver um, was there and John Oliver was like, yeah, it's also awesome that now everyone can just put out content <laughs> and so on. And Ronnie Chang was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I had to go past the gatekeepers. It was so difficult to even get to the US, get a job in comedy, like get an audience. And now those beep, they can just upload their stuff on TikTok and get famous. I don't like it. I like the gatekeepers, right? So that's, that's exactly what's happening now, right? So there's so many different ways now to actually get an audience. Uh, so the audience itself is the gatekeeper, so to speak, right? with the power to amplify or silence right? through the simple act of sharing or not sharing content, right? So this, this democratization of comedy has, of course, pros and cons. But one thing is pretty certain, I think it's never been a more exciting time to be a comedian or a fan of comedy. That now leads me to my almost final point, like, what's next? Where does, where does comedy go from here, right? So what's next for those? And I stick to my metaphor of gestures of the digital court, because I was quite proud of that. <laughs> like, will stand-up comedy become a virtual reality experience? Can you imagine that? I cannot right now, but maybe, like... A, metaverse comedy eh. like where the laughter com comes like with a side of motion sickness <laughs> of course you have those headsets on like will tiktok one-liners like replace the hour-long specials for example that comedians have like honed over years of touring and, and toiling and so on and the possibilities are endless as endless as the internet itself and i'm, I'm not saying i want it i'm just asking right But one thing is, again, for sure, the, the future of comedy is about ad adaptability. And that was just what Andrew Schultz and many others did so well, of course. Right? So comedians who can, can ride the waves of technological change, who can harness the power of new platforms and new media, <coughs> AI, will be the ones who thrive. Okay? And this adaptability isn't just, it's just about embracing new tech. It's about understanding the, the shifting sands of culture and context. So it's not just, I'm going to be on IG, I'm going to be on TikTok. Now it's understanding how those new platforms, the new media influences society 
and the audience so that you understand how culture change. Because with the change of culture, the messaging changes as well. Okay, and that's very important to understand. So you know, you can't just be like an old school comedian and stick to your messaging that you did like in the 1980s and just do the same thing now and think, yeah, that's going to work on TikTok because it won't. Okay, so that's very important. Adaptability is key. Okay, but it's not just for comedy. It's for life in general, right? And the, the global stage that we're on right now means like that a joke that kills in and that's close to home, like in Bangkok, for example, might need tweaking before it tickles in in, I don't know, in Tennessee or something. No. It might even need tweaking before it kills in Kuala Lumpur, which is just like an hour away, like by, by plane, right? Um, and so and the comedians who master this, this global dialect of humor, they will be like the, the modern the modern day heroes, so to speak, right? The modern day Marco Polos, because they conquered the world, okay? Um, they will navigate, and I stick with examples from around uh, my parts of the world, they will navigate the Silk Road of satire and stand-up. Okay, that's it with, that's it with the metaphors. Um, I'm going to wrap things up in just a second. But one more thing. Um, in, in, this, in this this new world of comedy, media, and so on, right, I think collaboration is the name of the game. And we see this, especially with American comedians. Uh, like, yeah, podcasts, I think, have done more than give comedians a voice. They, they've created communities, connect continents, They fostered friendships, right? I mean, we see like Bad Friends podcasts, for example. So in the podcast universe, comedians bounce from show to show to show to show. They share laughs. They share listeners. It's like it's like a beautiful symphony, if you will, of, of like synergistic humor. I see, I learned a word today. Um, where each guest spot is like, is like a note in a grand comedic con con concerto, if you want to, right? And so to, to bring this now all together at, at the very end, And to, oh, to add one more thing, because I actually have had a class on this. I didn't have a class on comedy, but a class on data, the importance of data. And that, that just popped to my head that actually data is also very important when it comes to, well, comedy, but also thriving online, right? So if you just, just look at the comedy as like content that we want to do well, right? The digital age changed where we watch stand-up, but also how comedians crafted jokes i think like because views clicks and watch time inform the comedic process right so in it's a world where the punchline must not only be funny but also algorithm friendly to some extent right so the, the reliance on data has ushered in this this new paradigm within the comedy world i believe like media theories like the use and gratification theory right suggest that audiences they actively seek out media that meets their needs right so comedians now have instant feedback on what works and what doesn't. It allows them to tailor their material to the audience preferences. So that's good. However, this can be a double-edged sword because does the comedian now control the narrative of his, her, their jokes? Or does the algorithm start dictating the comedy? That's an interesting question I wanted to ask. Um, another theory that I want to throw in there, um, the two-step flow theory. And that, that posits that media effects are indirectly mediated um, by opinion leaders. This finds new relevance in this case because in the comedy scene, it, those opinion leaders are like often other comedians or like influential podcast hosts who filter and amplify content to their followers, right? As a result, a comedian's network can dramatically affect the reach of their content and making peer approval 
as crucial as audience laughter. So if you are a comedian and you're friends with Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan thinks you're funny and you're on his podcast, you reach a way bigger audience than someone that Joe Rogan doesn't like, for example. Right? And one last thing that, while I said this, just came to mind, right? Globalization, because I just talk about Joe Rogan and all those things, and so I thought, hey, actually... Well, it's not just American comedy, right? But I mentioned the German comedian earlier. So in this digital area, of course, it has torn down like geographic and linguistic barriers, right? There's this global village, as Marsh McLuhan called it, um, actually really came into existence. And a comedian in, I don't know, in Cairo can share love with fans in Canada, for example. It has this a really cool comedian in Germany, but he's from Romania. He does he does comedy in English. Actually, his name is Dragos Dragos Comedy. Follow Dragos Comedy on on socials. Um, hilarious, like really really well observational comedy. Uh, so that's just an example, right? How how it, the global village comes actually into existence, and what does it mean for comedy? Right? It means diversity exchange. It, it's a, like a melting pot of like comedic styles that I think enrich us all, right? So everyone is learning from each other. Uh, it also has some challenges to it, though, because cultural nuances and local dialects can be lost in translation. Now, that's the part, that's the part where I'll make myself unpopular. <laughs> and because it requires communities to become adept cultural translators. And Andrew Schultz used to be awesome at that, but I think he's lost it a little bit. Also understandable, because, of course, the more successful you are, the more... The, the more work you have to do, the less time you have to actually dive hardcore into different cultures. But especially when he, when he refers to my culture, because, <laughs> I mean, that's what you realize, right? Meaning uh, a German culture, he's always off. <coughs> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> and Asian, especially Southeast Asian references are never on point. It's a bit, bit disappointing. Um, but I understand because it's, it's very hard. It's very, very hard to actually get all those dialects and all those cultural backgrounds right because they're so diverse, right? So it's very difficult. And this ties into but also another theory which is called cultural imperialism theory, okay? Uh, in this theory, dominant cultures have historically imposed their media and humor onto others. And so, of course, we are in here in Bangkok, for example, getting used to American humor because it's just what we get everywhere, okay? However, of course, the internet al allows also for more reciprocal exchange, right? So comedians got to navigate this, this complex web of like cultural exchange very thoughtfully so that they ensure that their humor resonates globally without actually overriding those local sensibilities. Otherwise, it's not, it's not going to fly, okay? And yeah, lastly, let's, let's not forget the, the role of the diaspora communities in shaping comedy, actually, right? Because they, they serve as like cultural bridges. They interpret humor from their homeland, for example, for like a global audience. This actually has led to a rise of like niche comedy genres that cater to like specific diasporas. Okay, they, they further expand the tapestry, I want to say, of like global comedy because all those niche audiences now have like a broader audience. Right? It's, it's a very fascinating case of, of the long tail, another theory, effect in the media where even the most niche aspects, in this case, niche comedy, finds a sizable global audience, all right? So, yeah, that was now longer than I planned, but you can see how, just how much I'm really into that topic, because I think, again, comedy, comedy will save the world. That's what I believe, okay? So then let's just take the moment to like really appreciate the laughter that comedians bring to your lives, 
Yeah, they are the architects of, of humor. They're building bridges across cultures, across communities, with every joke they tell. Like in, the, in this ever-changing landscape of media, they remind us that, that laughter is a universal language. Yeah. And in a world that can like, really seem divided like more often than not, it's the language that we all desperately need to speak more fluently. And that's why this episode on comedy and stand-up comedy. That's it for, for, for today. So let me know your thoughts as always. I'm curious to hear, like, who are your favorite stand-up comedians? Do you agree with what I said? Do you disagree? How did comedy save your world? Who, who are the ones that you follow, um, that you unfollow, that you want to cancel? Shout out in the comments at Funkinpot on social media, funkinpot at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and as always, leave a comment if, if you can. Have a laugh. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy um, your week, your weekend, whenever you listen to this. And yeah, stay safe, take care. We talk soon. Signing up.